Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Yeah. Um, and we're finally going to finish Jack the Ripper. I feel like we've been doing this forever. Yeah, literally been, it's been a month we've been doing it. <laughs> right, it has. Wow. Um, And sorry that this part is a little late, but I haven't had the time. It's been a busy week. What yeah. can we say? Throw full-time jobs, working yep. ladies. Things happen. So, but here it is. The last part of um, our suspects. And I am i wasn't really going to talk about H.H. Holmes, but now that's going to be like most of the episode. Because there's no, no <laughs> So. And you dug so deep. I didn't buy it until like I started researching it and now I kind of buy it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it's what makes sense to me. Yeah. We know it me now. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent, but yeah. <laughs> Emily solved it. I did. 100%. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. So the early suspects were um that summer of 1888, everyone thought it was local gangs, but by September, that theory kind of dropped off pretty quickly. And um, they were like, this is not normal gang related crime. This is like a mad, a madman. Um, so the gangs, the local gangs were investigated very briefly, but it just wasn't the norm of like, why would they? do this kind of crime so that kind of right like usually they want to send a message and the message was pretty unclear (laughs) yeah it just didn't fit um and then of course there is the speculation that the killer had at least some amount of medical and anatomical knowledge and the police started looking into the activities of several medical students who had also spent time in asylums. So they were thinking maybe there's a cross between the two and it's not a coincidence. So, okay. All right. I can, I can see that. Decent way to think, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Just like part of the investigation, like cross examine that. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. However, the students that were, you know, had that had been to asylums, every single one of them were accounted for and they were ruled out of the involvement in these crimes because of X, Y, Z, whatever. I'm not sure. But apparently that went nowhere as well. And, and then after that, the police started looking at butchers, and slaughterhouse workers. Um, so they're kind of just going down lines of businesses that they think could get you some kind of experience with the kind of mutilation that was happening. Yeah. And the equipment, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that too. And over 2,000 interviews were carried out by the uh, police. More than 300 people were actually investigated, 80 of which have were actually arrested for these crimes. So I think this is just the the scope of it is unlike what you normally hear about. Like 
80 people were arrested and then let go for lack of evidence over this period of time. They were just so desperate to get somebody. Mm -hmm. They just wanted to, like, like, calm the public. Yeah. So that's probably why they just continuously just were like, okay, it's this guy. Let's take him off the streets now. <laughs> exactly. Um, some Ripperologists believe that it is possible that the actual Jack the Ripper was one of these people who were investigated and interviewed and arrested, but nothing concrete was able to, like, pin them down. Definitely. Right. For sure. I mean, let's look at the Yorkshire Ripper. Like, that was pretty. That was, I mean, he was right. he was yeah. interviewed so many times. Yeah. And, and let go. Like, what? It was like, like nine times he almost got caught or something like yeah. that. Yeah. It was way too many times before you could. That's just the thing that's crazy about police work. Like, I mean, I know you can't arrest somebody on suspicion or whatever but you like need hard facts to actually do something which is i know it's hard because it's like you want to say like okay this is too too big of a coincidence but then there have also been so many cases that we found out where things are just coincidental like i mean so you can't it has to be concrete evidence in order to confidently say that someone did something. Mm-hmm. And it, when I'm bringing up coincidences, I'm thinking back to Yorkshire where he was specifically like, um, uh, you know, they'd be like, if his name popped up multiple times, you know, then they'd be like, oh, well, maybe this guy. But once again, could just be coincident- coincidental. Yeah. 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 Uh- so, let's. That being said, those were all the things that they tried to do. And then there were some more specific suspects. Um, and I guess the first we'll talk about is H.J. Tomes. Now, he was never a suspect with the Victorian police. This was much, much later. Like, you know, some time had passed before people were like, is it the same person? And re-looked at the, both cases and things like that. So he was never a suspect at the time because people didn't even know, like, who he was in London or anything. Right, exactly. Like, I mean, he wasn't caught until, yeah, years later mm-hmm. when he just continued the crimes in Chicago. Yeah. So the first piece of evidence that was examined is the hand between the two of them, uh, H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper, were the letters, the handwriting. Specifically, the Dear Boss letter was examined and compared to each other. And graphologists say it is pretty damn close to a direct match of handwriting between the two. That's crazy. Blew my mind too. Um, and that is so nuts to me. I know because handwriting is pretty distinguishable. Like, I know for a fact if you gave me 10 people's 
like 10 people writing the same sentence and you put your handwriting in there, I would recognize your handwriting in a heartbeat. Yeah. As long as you don't do your cursive stuff. Like, as long as you did, <laughs> you wrote it out. Because <laughs> I know now you like to write in cursive. I do. But back when, like, yeah, when you write the, what is it? What is not cursive? The normal way? <laughs> print? I guess. Print, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I call it. I now I'm second guessing myself. <laughs> I think it's just. Um, and I know you could still pick out mine. I mean, you've told me that my yes. handwriting hasn't changed since the first grade. It has not. I have handwriting <laughs> samples of yours from like fifth grade and like a year ago. And it is the same. Right. Yeah. So I know it really hasn't changed at all. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I am going to... I'm finding a picture of the handwriting and I'm going to like share my screen with you so you can see it. I found a TED talk about it. I watched the TED talk. There's literally a TED talk on it. Here's the, this is the crazy part. The TED talk is given by his great H.H. Holmes, great, great, whatever grandson who believed Wait. his great, great grandpa is well, H.H. H. Holmes is most definitely his great-great-grandpa, but he believes yes. it's Jack the Ripper, and he, like, has a whole book on it, and he did the TED Talk. I got into this. Actually, Emily, I think I referenced him in our H.H. H. Holmes episode. Did you? I think so. I think for some reason I was doing some sort of research for it, and I came across that. Oh. Okay. Can you see it? Oh, <gasps> yes. Yeah. Ooh, so that, that is so damning. Is what it looks like. Because the, the, I, okay, people listening, we are looking at, um, obviously, the a letter from H.H. H. Holmes and then the Dear Boss letter. And the signature for it, the yours truly, is the same, really. Or your true friend on the other letter. And it looks pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is pretty. Pretty similar. Yeah. And yeah. then. Um, okay. Uh, how do I stop this? Okay. There we go. Um, so other scientists ran some comparisons and said the samples had a 96.75 similarity which is pretty close. So that's kind of crazy. See, once again, I mean, is it just coincidental? It's pretty nuts. <laughs> Screamed into the mic. <laughs> My laptop stand just fell apart randomly. <laughs> what the heck? You can't win. Oh my God. Okay. Laptop is just going to sit on my bed now. Okay. <laughs> In the I didn't process. hear you scream. You didn't? It must have cut out or something. Maybe it like hit a certain decibel and <laughs> cut out. Um, I wonder if I'll hear it on the feedback. <laughs> Playback. Um, I also scrolled all the way back to the top. So now I'm scrolling down. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
So um, there's also a letter that Holmes wrote to his lawyer saying he had this desire to go to London um, and was thinking about taking a trip there. So there's that possibility that he did take that trip um, that he was talking about. Oh. Their appearance is also possibly, or their appearance is quite similar as well. If you look at what people thought Jack the Ripper looked like and sketches of him from witnesses who said they saw him and also how he's described, like fair-haired, pretty well-dressed with the mustache, a little, um, did I say fair hair? Dark hair. Yes. Um, okay. Dark hair. Uh, and that is what AJ Holmes looked like. He had that little mustache, and I mean, it's typical of the time period. We'll get right. That. But the sketches between the two of them were also compared, and they were put on top of each other as like an overlay. And they also like the facial features of the sketches lined up as well. Oh my gosh. Uh, coincidence, possibly, or evidence number two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Holmes came to Chicago in 1886, which is two years before the Ripper murder started in London. And in oh, 1888, okay. which is the year the murder started, is when he purchased his land and started building his hotel in Chicago. Oh, um, his chi- his Chicago, his hotel opened in 1890. So, and there is a gap of time that Holmes could have been in London that is unaccounted for. Um, where there's a certain breach of time where he said he might take a trip, and then there are no accounts of him in Chicago at that time. But there's also no evidence to show that he was definitely in London either. But he was unaccounted for, possibly not in the U.S. for a certain amount of time. And that was during the time of all the murders? Yes. It's at the same time. So, I... Yeah. I don't know. It's... On the one hand, it can be pretty damning. On the other hand, it's like... Oh, you just don't know. Um, Right. It's just such a crazy conspiracy. Yeah. But but I thought you were going to say like, oh, but, you know, some people still think it even though he was in Chicago during, you know, that time. I didn't realize like there's a period of time where he's unaccounted for. Yeah. That's what really kind of was had me thinking like, oh, maybe because – there is a significant gap where there's nothing about him. During the time his hotel was being built, he wasn't necessarily present in Chicago until it was finished. See, and that would kind of make sense because it's like, you know, he is getting the itch and he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to, and he has this idea for this hotel, but he doesn't want to, um, do anything make any rash decisions there too early yeah so then he just decides to go to london and mm-hmm. do it there 
another major city. Right. Hmm. It's interesting. And then Jeff Mudgett, which is who we were talking about earlier, that is this is his great great grandson. Because remember, H. H. Holmes is not his real name. Uh mm-hmm. Mudgett is his real last name. Um his great great grandson inherited his written memoirs. And in these memoirs, he claims that Holmes wrote he had visited London with a partner during the Whitechapel murders. And in the diaries, he says Holmes described these training sessions between him and his assistant that his assistant was instructed to murder prostitutes um, to cause sensation and kind of distract from his own murders that he was going to commit back in uh, America. And I don't know. It kind of, that kind of, I'm like, okay, that's believable. But then some of what he claims, I'm not, I don't want to say this great-great-grandson is a liar, but some of what he claims is kind of like what what um because he also says that he went after rich women because their ovaries would supposedly have healthier hormones to aid in his pursuit of this youth serum that all of a sudden he wanted and i'm like but he didn't really target rich women so that kind of doesn't make sense and like what is this youth serum thing that we've never heard before heard of before i don't know so it's like yeah i don't know i was gonna say i don't remember hearing any youth serum no and to put a little more doubt into jeff's story as well he started to say in his book that he hears the ghost of h.h holmes talking to him and um coincidentally he started hearing um, this ghost telling him to kill people and become a killer around the time that he inherited the diaries. So I'm he puts a little I was I'm buying his TED talk, but then he goes on that kind of weird tangent and I'm kind of like, okay, but are you telling the truth now? Because you had me, but like this is Yeah. <laughs> right. So Yeah. I don't I, know. I mean when you have like if you're trying to convince the world that these two men are the same, I wouldn't use the, I wouldn't say anything that would make people think that I was like borderline schizophrenic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like even if, even if like you were hearing the voices and, and or like, you know, ghost of H.H. H. Holmes came back, whatever. If all of that was true, I still wouldn't say it because it's not convincing and then it actually makes you seem less reliable exactly. and more like it's it's driven by mental illness, which is unfortunate because, you know, he could very well be telling the truth. But it's yeah. just if you're trying to convince the world, that's not the way to do it. Don't talk about the voices in your head because those are not facts. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Concrete evidence only. Can you imagine like if. A, I don't know, a detective was like, I was having dreams that it was this man. He's standing like, mm-hmm. and that's part of his argument as to how he knows that this is the murderer. Like, no. Right. Sorry, but then that kind of makes you uncredible in front believe. of 
a court of law. <laughs> exactly. No one's going to believe that. No. And it's going to make you, and it's going to, it tarnishes yourself, unfortunately. Yeah. Because it's Keep just... the voices to yourself. Like Harry Potter. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, as Hermione Granger says, <laughs> even in the wizarding world. <laughs> say the quote. Even in the wizarding world, hearing voices is not a good sign. Oh <laughs> yes. I'm that so glad so we had the same thought. That was like <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head. <laughs> Harry Potter. Yes. I can bring Harry Potter like into any situation. <laughs> I know. Really That's me with the office. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Um hmm. the yeah and also it's debated on the between the two of them the method of killing is drastically different holmes was famous for and he bragged about um with the the, the chicago murders he liked to listen to the death and if you remember like he often had them locked into like confining rooms and like gassed them and things like that it wasn't Mm -hmm. he didn't really do mutilation too much um and he didn't do display and he never took trophies or anything it was like a I like to bring pain to people, but I'm going to like, like he would listen to it through the like vents or like the little, not microphones, but like whatever he installed into the rooms and stuff. You're right. I do remember that now, like that he was all about the torture aspect. Yeah. And that is definitely not what Jack the Ripper is all about. No. So that's completely blunt and quick. So then the only reason, the only thing I can think of is, like, if it was the same person, Mm -hmm. would be, like you said earlier, where he's trying to make, like, a different sensation on the other side of the world to kind of take attention away. But, I mean, attention was already off of him because of the World's Fair. Right. Yeah, that's why. Like that's that's probably why he got away with it for so long because of that. It was World's Fair that was going on. Exactly, and opening his hotel in the midst of that uh, was definitely an opportunist move because everyone's going to be so distracted. So I don't know. I'm very. I was like, no, it's not going to fit. But I'm a little conflicted at the on the one hand, like. I don't think the MO is the same and but mm-hmm. I don't know. There is that gap of time and he does have the medical experience that they think Jack the Ripper probably had. So I can't write it off and say it's ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of like like we keep on saying, like not concrete evidence, but coincidental. Too many coincidences. Yeah, too much lines up. It's I just, don't know. Doesn't fit. I mean, I don't know. That's not, <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. That it doesn't fit, but it. There's too it's much like, in between. Yeah. Yeah. 
Right. You're not able to completely write it off, but you're not able to confidently say it is. That's the thing about these mystery cases. It just drives me crazy. I know. And that's one I don't I don't think that one will ever be solved. Jackie no, River. I don't think so. Um, but there are some other suspects, so I'll talk about them. I just wanted to, this is absolutely ridiculous and it has no standing at all. But <laughs> while I was researching, one of the strange or the most strange suspect um, that I came across was Lewis Carroll. Do you know who that is? Okay. I I will once you start reminding yeah. me. <laughs> he I is recognize the name. Author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, what? Yeah. He wasn't a strong suspect, but there was one man who, who was really gunning for him for some reason. His name was Richard Wallace, and he claimed that Lewis Carroll, he was a big fan of anagrams, like which were like hidden messages in his like books and text and he's like if you look at his books and if you take these hidden anagrams it clearly says that he loves murdering prostitutes and that he's jack the ripper and blah 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 and everyone was like you're crazy um <laughs> and also lewis carroll did live in that area but he was on vacation in sussex during four of those murders oh um so and somebody else was like, okay, well, if you like anagrams so much, they took this man's essay that he wrote about it and made whatever, like pulled anagrams from the essay. And it said, like, I killed Jack the Ripper, blah, blah, blah. So like proving anagrams are like tricky. Right. You can kind of make it sound like whatever you want. So I see. So I he just was, thought yeah, that was so, so he did that same thing. Yeah. I just think that, that was so weird. I never, when I was like looking through the list of suspects, I was like, what? <laughs> Errol? Like, how did he end up on this list? It's crazy. Wouldn't that just be so weird to like hear that accusation about yourself? Was this years later or was this at the time? Um, I think it was later. I don't think it was, it wasn't at the time. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like then even that's even worse like not even being able to defend yourself but like Literally. being like up there and having being like what wait they're saying what about me <laughs> like i just write children's books yeah, about I a smoking just... caterpillar <laughs> i just wrote a tripped out <laughs> book that's all. might have done some drugs but it's murdering like, people like know drugs, but not that much <laughs> <laughs> oh god um yeah so that was a silly one i just thought i'd throw in there um now there were a few favored suspects by the commissioner of london police force at the time melville mcnaughton um one of those men was montague john druitt and montague was a barrister and I believe that is some kind of lawyer or something. Um, I know we have that term like nowadays, but like whatever. It just I don't recognize it. Weird. <laughs> um, not my not my world. <laughs> yeah, he was a doctor as well, about forty years old, 
And at the end of November 1888, he was dismissed from the school that he worked at and kind of, like, went downhill from there. And about a month later, December 1888, his body was found floating in the Thames. And it was said that he kind of had lost his mind about losing his position. And this Melville, the commissioner, kind of snagged on it and was like, oh, he must have been the killer. Like, he snapped and lost his mind and committed some murders. But he did have the medical experience and and he was a smart guy. So it kind of fits the profile. Um and I don't know. Most people are like, it was a suicide and by drowning. But the murder stopped right after he died. So oh. it was another thing that they were like, it could be him. It's probably him. Um, that's hard. That's because oh, that's so difficult. I... That's an interesting theory, but I feel like if it were like a psychotic break like that where he just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden went on this killing spree, I don't think it'd be as clean and like I think it'd be a little bit more um, messy and violent. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were violent. Don't get me wrong. But a little bit more messy and like not as discreet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, because like, I feel like with like, with a psychotic break, it's like you can't control it. There is not very many clear thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like whoever Jack the Ripper was, was using their whole brain when they were doing it. Because the fact that they were able to just do it so fast and get yeah. out of there so quick, I don't think that that's necessarily something you do when you're just like going off. Right. Yeah. And his theory has had a little bit of merit to it, but they talked to his family and his family was like, no, he had continued to practice three weeks after Mary Kelly's murder and then he was dismissed from the school. So the suicide appeared to be in reaction to being fired rather than what the commissioner thought he killed himself after Mary Kelly's murder because he was so like because hers was like obviously like I don't want to say the worst but the most right effed up Um, and that was why he killed himself but his family was like no he just was like depressed and so I don't know I don't think the theory holds too much weight but it's a possibility. But also, it doesn't explain for the long span of time. It just kind of explains a short amount of time of the Right, murders. that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing is kind of went on for a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I. that really frustrates me just because, like, I understand this is a murder investigation and everything. But mm-hmm. when the person can't defend themselves... And then you're going to their family and saying these accusations. Yeah. It makes me feel so icky. I like, it's right. just, 
they just lost their loved one and now all of a sudden there's this random accusation that they have to like attempt to defend it's just like tarnishes his name yeah that's sad like the like, poor guy already- obviously going through a lot at, like losing his job and then let's just throw this on top of it yeah like once again <laughs> like he from the grave would just be like are you kidding me like, like dude what's yeah. up with all these people that can't defend themselves <laughs> right so the next suspect that the commissioner um had at the top of his list was aaron kosminski in 1910 his name came up in the commissioner's memoirs so it was kind of re-examined he was a polish-born jewish immigrant and remember all of this kind of anti-semitism was happening around this case Mm -hmm. as well um in december 1889 he was one of several people who were summoned to appear in court in the city of london for having unmuzzled dogs in public. So it, it it wasn't a big deal, but in the commissioner's eyes, it was like, strike one, you've had to go to court. And then the other two, it's a little more serious, but he was admitted twice to mental institutions. And the second time he was declared insane and moved to an, an asylum. Oh, uh, yeah. Not cited why or what condition he had or anything, but yeah, he was evaluated a few times and um, thought to be better and then was like, they thought, no, he's not better. And he had to go back, um, which is why he was admitted twice. I Um, see. The admission book of the asylum said he was admitted there when he was 26 he was a hairdresser. Um, the supposed cause of his insanity, again, listed unknown, but it says self-abuse under his profile and okay. an attack on a relative of his. Oh. So it doesn't necessarily equal Ripper, but um, yeah. And the admission book also states that they did not believe he was a danger to others, but could possibly be a public threat just because of he was like walking around in public and he had attacked one person. So, um, also, I don't, th- okay. that kind of seems contradictory to me, but that's what the book says. Not a danger to others, yeah. but possible threat. Um, I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Are you just trying to cover all your bases there? Right. They're like, um, it's not serious, but just in case we want to say blah, 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 whatever. Um, and then he said that he was guided and his movements were controlled by some instinct in his mind, um, that knows all of the movements of all mankind and he refused food while he was there um kind of said weird things like that um and then people said that they had seen him picking bread out of the gutter of the streets and eating that and drinking water 
um like dirty water on the streets and um Poor person. kind of just yeah kind of a mess that needed help um Yeah. he spent three years at colney hatch asylum he was described in their accounts as being extremely deluded um at various times oh wait rather difficult to deal with on account of the dominant character of his delusions and he was incoherent and very excitable so in 1894 he was transferred to leavesden asylum where he spent the remaining 25 years of his life and he actually died there in the asylum so he was never treated or sent back in public but um the commissioner tried to go see him i think like at the asylum and tried to like interview him obviously it kind of went nowhere because he kind of he was not in the right kind of mind to do it and there was no evidence for him really but the commissioner had him as a pretty high suspect for those reasons mainly just because he had to go to the asylum there really was nothing else about it but they were just like looking for insane people because that's what they believed he was see and that's like that i yeah no i don't even for a second like i think that that was so wrong of him to just accuse this person like there's nothing that lines up other yeah. than the fact that they think that he this other guy was that jack the ripper was insane mm -hmm. but i mean the description doesn't match at all like no how like if if this person that is basically incoherent and very delusional mm -hmm. is walking on the street i mean the women that were caught with him alone they wouldn't have been they would have turned around and walked away yeah jack the ripper in my opinion it was like a no was like appeared to be normal mm -hmm. and appeared to like yeah not, i mean i don't know how to describe it but he was not definitely like a psychopath yeah really yeah right exactly yes you're right exactly like this this person clearly just was is dealing with other like mental illness issues whatever's going on jack the ripper was a psychopath he had a whole face he put on he was just a whole different person yeah and he was good at hiding it mm -hmm. and had no remorse he had to have been because yeah he's still undetected yeah this guy, I mean, There's disheveled, no he would eating hide bread out of, yeah, eating bread out of the gutters. Like, people are noticing him, and no one's going to be getting anywhere near him. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Nah. And yeah. once again, with my thought on it being more coordinated, I don't think that guy could carry out what Jack the Ripper did. No, probably not. Like, it was methodical. It was yeah. frenzied, but methodical at the same time yeah. in a weird combination kind of way. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he literally took someone's uterus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then the next person, I think, I think this next suspect is, actually has some merit to it. Um, and this is Charles Cross. So is this your guess? This is my guess. If it's not H.H. Okay. Holmes, he's my next, like, top okay. list, I'd say. All right. Now, Charles Cross is, if we jump all the way back to episode one, or part one, we know this person already. He is the man who found the first victim, Mary Nichols, moments after she was killed, because her body was still warm and everything. Um. Mm. First of all, he gave a false name to the police. He said his name was Charles Cross, but his real name is Charles Lechmere. Um, But when the police arrived at the scene, he used the name Charles Cross. So red flag number one. He gave a false oh, yeah. name. Why would you do that? Hmm. Mm. Um, Robert Paul, the second Cartman to come across the body. Um, actually, most people who's uh suspect cross as being the actual killer think robert probably saw him in the process of killing her was walking by and then charles cross was like hey oh my god i just found this dead body on the street come here because like um and said he just found the body but really he was about to be caught so he like had to cover it up really quickly um and she was determined to have been killed no later than a few minutes prior to the, his quote-unquote discovery of the body. So hmm. he's at the scene of the crime. And Cross also told the police that he had only walked halfway to her body and then saw her shape like laying on the street. But Robert Paul's account says no. When I first saw him, when I came up, he was standing over her body. He wasn't, like, at a distance. He was right there. So they're telling two different stories as well. Yeah. Wait, and I think I remember, it's so, it's like a month ago now, so it's hard to I know. remember exactly. But I'm pretty sure I remember, like, questioning, like, why the second guy was the one that noticed all the blood and, like, right? Was that the was right. that the Mm -hmm. Same one where yes, Robert was the one that was like Charles Cross that's was when like, he noticed all that. Yeah. Robert was the one who like really examined her more. And Char Charles was kind of like, I think she might be dead. I just saw yeah. her laying there. Like right. blah blah blah. And I was like, how is one person seeing this blood and the other person's not? Right. Exactly. Oh suspicious. Um, a little sauce. He only lived a few streets away from where Mary Nichols' body was found. And all historians and experts believe the murderer most certainly was a local man. And he he was, for sure. He lived in the area and worked in the area. His route to work took him over the same streets that would become the exact locations of all the other victims. Oof. So he can be placed Oof. potentially at every single crime scene because it's his route to work to and from every single day. Oof. Um, Big oof. In fact, all of the murders take place between point A, his house, and point B, work. 
except for Elizabeth Stride's murder. Hers was a little outside of Whitechapel. But um, everything else is like in his little triangle of primary location spot. Um, so wait, what was his what was his job again? Um he was like a delivery man. He like um made deliveries to like businesses in the area. So it, it was okay. like a constantly moving kind of job where you had yeah. to be like all over the place potentially. Okay. So like he knew the area really well. Yeah. I guess my only – the reason why I asked that was I was thinking, okay, is he out late at night? Like, is this, like, something on his way home from work? He just kind of – but it was probably like not. A, an early morning because he was going to work when he discovered Mary Nichols' bot discovered her body. And it was probably – I think it was, like, 4 a.m. And he was, like, going to work. I see. So he starts early at the very least. Um, and he also had to make deliveries to like meat houses and slaughterhouses and stuff. So people thought, oh, that could explain why he could be getting to and from covered in blood and people wouldn't think much of it because he's delivering and bringing this meat to like slaughterhouses and stuff to and fro and just looks like he a regular cartman. And it might have some blood on him from work. And people wouldn't think much of it. So. Yeah. I don't know if I saw my mailman with blood on him. I wouldn't be like, oh, checks out. 100%. Call the boxes. I'm just kidding. But. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, how much blood are you really going to get on yourself from transporting meat? I don't know. Like, I feel like that meat's going to make you sick. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean i mean at that it was a different time so it's it's hard for me to imagine but right it's not very uh clean way of transporting meat if you're literally getting the bl- if the person's transporting is getting blood on him yeah that's not little... very sanitary yeah <laughs> um, but yeah there's a whole um documentary on this guy who goes deep into examining charles cross i only had time to watch like some of it but what he was saying was convincing me i feel like i could probably be easily convinced because i was easily (laughs) convinced with hhm but like um but i don't know i think that is also a very strong possibility um there are a lot more details about him as a suspect, I didn't, um, like I said, I didn't finish it, but I, that's basically, they don't have anything more concrete really than what I said. So nothing right. to like definitely, obviously. Um, but that is the gist of the case against him is that he's a local man. He was there. I can see it. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, there is, I believe one of the arguments, I'm not sure, um, was that he actually did have a cup some medical experience as well in the past. He wasn't at the time of the murders, but that he may have had some okay training in the past. So yeah, if it's on YouTube, it's like 
Charles Cross, Jack the Ripper, you'd probably find it. It's like 40 minutes. Um, and it gives more detail of like the reasons why he's at the top of the list for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, no, I can, yeah. I can definitely see that for sure. I think that that fits really well as far as he knows the route. And I, I think that that's why I lean more towards him than even H.H. H. Holmes mm -hmm. because of the fact that the, whoever did it got in and got out. Yeah. Or didn't get out, just pretend like he was stumbling across it. Yeah. Um, because they would have to know the area for sure. Yeah. And he clearly knew it really well. Mm-hmm. And he would have been there for a long time. And what he lived if, there. So didn't how didn't he get how what if that's how he got into the person's house? Like, what do you mean? Didn't wasn't one of the um the last most gruesome murder was in her house. Yeah, oh yeah. So what if that's how he like gained entries? Like knock 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 hello delivery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It could be. Like, here you are, ma'am. Here's your whatever, your meat. <laughs> yeah. Um, that wasn't delivery. the only thing he delivered, but <laughs> of note. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that could be. But obviously, there are tons and tons and tons of suspects. And if you really go down the rabbit hole, I, obviously, we do not have the time. But those are the names that <laughs> most commonly have popped up. And yeah, um, I think that is pretty crazy. Well, um, that's the issue is you can find you can find saw uh, like a reason in a lot of people. Like, there I, we're not saying that there was only one bad person in all of London. Like, there's a lot of bad people that yeah. do a lot of bad things, but were they Jack the Ripper? And that's right. the question. Oh, same a whole thing with like, level. Yeah, people that need to go into asylums. Like, there's plenty of people. Why did we have to single out that one person? I don't know. But it doesn't mean that there's not other people that also have mental illness throughout all of London. <laughs> right. Yeah. One person got singled out because he was in the general area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, of course... We all know this was never solved. And I honestly don't think it ever will be. If a mystery I... has lasted this long, I think it's not likely. No. <laughs> how I, how could it possibly? We don't have no. enough about even yeah. with all we have now. It's it's almost about 140 years. Yeah. So right? 130, 140. Yeah, 140 almost. So, a long time. That is a long time. I know. I like, so I think that some type of memoir that would have been written, something that mm -hmm. would have come up by now. Like, yeah. there's, I don't think anyone's out there hiding the secret of Jack the Ripper anymore. No. I think that's, uh, they long. definitely bring any evidence forward at this point. Mm -hmm. That's, Part four, really, obviously. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's so many questions. I know when I die, 
when I go to heaven, I am like my heavenly spirit was not going to be bothered about this anymore, but I want to know the answer. So, like, <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> all the, like everyone has a question that they want to ask Jesus and yours is, <laughs> yours is who was checked the river? <laughs> who was he? Who was he? I have to oh, That was so funny. <laughs> be like well emily um <laughs> this is the truth oh my gosh that's all i want to know <laughs> that's so funny um yeah that was i mean there's just so so much i just can't get over it i mean thank you anyone that listened to this four part series yeah um thank you or actually there's <laughs> been if this is a longer series than just four episodes, I guess, because oh, uh, Jack yeah, the Ripper was just four parts. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So thank you, anyone, for listening to our Jack the Ripper. I was diving into it a little bit, and we hardly scratched the surface. Yeah. It's the insane thing about this case. There's so much. Ripperologist, man. You get yeah. into that. That could go on. That, like... There are some people who like have spent years researching this stuff, and that is yeah, wild. It's I think that because it was so long ago, and there's just like so many possibilities, is why it makes it so big. Because like, mm-hmm. it's not like he killed the most people ever. Like it's not like the whole time right. we're talking about all these yeah. these murders. But I think the reason why he goes down in history so much is because of just like the manner of death and mm-hmm. the why and the fact that like our suspect pool might be massive but also there is not a clear suspect whatsoever oh like the mystery of it all is what keeps it fascinating for so long yeah 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 well anyway thank you so much for looking all that up so what are your main sources um so it's going to be from jacktheripper.org and then the TED Talk that I watched by Jeff Mudgett. His book, if you're interested in it, is called Bloodstains by Jeff Mudgett. Um, I've not read the book because, but I I did read reviews of the book and they, they do say it is um, a mixture of craziness and pretty damning fact so i don't know i'm kind of <laughs> interested in reading it um yeah. yeah and then um yeah that is i found a couple documentaries on youtube as well um okay yeah Alrighty. well everyone have a great day or evening whenever you're listening to this um I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard Macabre Minds.